Hi, I am Martin, and this is Words That Change You. Words fly all around us. Kind words, silly words, angry words. And they do so all day long. But how often does something written or spoken really feed our souls? Wouldn't it be nice if beyond the noise we could listen to words that make a difference? Words that change us. In Words That Change You, we'll examine words, events, concepts that have impacted us lately and see whether we could not glean some nuggets of wisdom to feed on and some tools that apply that for our lives. Tune in and be surprised. The Curse of Barrenness I have friends who have tried for years to have children. When finally, a year ago, she got pregnant, they were ecstatic. Thousands of couples everywhere can identify with the suffering of the inability to conceive. The Bible is full of stories of couples who could not have children. But on top of the sorrow over not having any offspring, there seems to be an additional element mixed in, the sense of having been cursed. It was that piece which took me a long time to understand. Why would someone who believes that God created the world and commanded creation to be fruitful think that this very same God would close their womb and deny them offspring? But while maybe not logical from a theological perspective, many who have experienced barrenness can identify emotionally with the sentiment. If you take a step back, it seems that it is not only married couples who long for offspring. Every human being, single or married, desires to be fruitful, even though this fruitfulness may have many different expressions. Having children is a particularly meaningful experience of leaving a legacy. Your memory and your personality lives on in future generations, and there are people who remember you. But even those who are not particularly bothered about having children want to make an impact in the world, a contribution, be creatively, in tackling a certain problem, or in re being remembered as a good or kind person. Yet this very desire is so often thwarted by various circumstances. Being stuck in a no job or even worse, in joblessness. Illness or some physical handicap can take away your ability to work and contribute to society. Or simply feeling unappreciated unnoticed for what we have to offer, and thus a sense of uselessness creeping over us. Suddenly the sorrow of a barren woman in the Old Testament becomes very real. Why me? Why now? And does anybody see my plight? The step to wondering whether one is cursed can be very short indeed. We have probably all have had periods with such experiences, when dark thoughts overcame us, possibly including despondency, self-pity, maybe even depression. The pandemic has certainly been particularly difficult for many of us, whether joblessness or simply feeling tired, wondering whether we are living in Groundhog Day, all have contributed to tiredness and frustration for many of us. 
Looking further afield, let us consider the millions of migrants in our world. Many of them taking credible risks, floating in flimsy dinghies across the Mediterranean, or walking from Central America all the way to the US, all because they feel that, where they are, their lives have no future. They long for a stable, sustainable life where they can raise a family, support their loved ones, and make a contribution. An even more extreme example of the many who join various terrorist organizations. While some of them are motivated by violent ideologies, many others simply find themselves in no future situations, in a particular form of barrenness, and are promised meaning and significance by different leaders, an offer which is hard to resist. But what makes a life fruitful, ultimately? Is it having children and grandchildren? While I have many friends who cherish the gift of becoming grandparents, children and grandchildren can sometimes serve as unhelpful props. I've seen people live surrogate lives in their children, forcing them to do what they were never able to do themselves. And ultimately, children go on to live their own lives, sometimes in a way contrary to the hopes and ideals of their parents. Surely children are a legacy, but if that is what we put all our weight on, we are bound to be disappointed. In our opinion, a sense of fruitfulness ultimately comes from experiencing meaning and purpose in our personal lives, notwithstanding of whether we have offspring or not. Meaning and purpose are big words, just as calling and vocation. It is probably no accident that children will be regularly quizzed by uncles and friends what they want to be when they grow up. We all sense that it would be fantastic if we found our groove, something we enjoy doing and which would satisfy us. And for many of us, our work will be a key part of that equation. But even if we're no longer children, the question still applies. What do you want to be when you grow up? Or maybe more properly, who do you really think you ought to be? What sounds like a simple question is actually a profound and complex query. If we are serious in answering it, we are forced to investigate some other questions first. Do I believe that life is meaning? What or who determines what my life should look like? How will I know that I found what I'm looking for? Let us take each of these questions in turn and see whether we can make some progress toward understanding fruitfulness. First of all, do I believe that life is meaning? This might sound like a provocative question, but it really is a profound one. It asks point blank, whether it is possible to make sense out of our life, or whether what happens to us is completely random. Very few of us will take such a radical stand as Albert Camus or Samuel Beckett, who basically considered life absurd. If we did, we would easily be tempted to take our own lives. But many de facto live life as if it had no meaning. Therefore, it is not worth spending any effort seeking to discern that meaning. Rather, one lives from day to day, getting the most pleasure out of it, 
sucking out all the marrow of life, as Henry Thoreau puts it. Fun, entertainment, diversion, pleasure, thus become the currency of our daily lives, and meaning, let alone fruitfulness, make absolutely no sense. But let us assume we affirm that meaning is possible. We then bump into the subsequent question, where this meaning comes from, or put differently, what or who determines what my life should look like. Existentialist philosophers would posit that we are cast upon our own existence and cursed with the need to make something of it, a grim view in our opinion. Immanuel Kant, the German philosopher, would say that there is such a thing as a categorical imperative which ought to guide how our lives unfold, an impersonal yet metaphysical arbiter that makes its demands on us. And then there are the deists, including Judeo-Christians, who believe that there's a supernatural power that both influences our lives providentially and makes certain moral demands on us. It is this tradition that has coined the expressions of vocation and calling, both words which assume that there is something or somebody who calls us and expects us to respond. Which gets us to our last question. How will I know that I have achieved fruitfulness? It is easy and tempting to follow the Alice in Wonderland principle of everybody has won and all must have prizes. According to that view, whatever life we have lived can call it successful and fruitful. In our view, this is a cop-out, akin to shooting an arrow and then painting the target around the spot where it landed. If we look at people's lives, some seem successful and happy objectively, while others appear miserable and mediocre at best. Which means that there must be some objective criteria by which to judge the outcome of one's life. These criteria depend vastly on the values we have espoused. A political activist such as Martin Luther King or Gandhi would probably judge his or her life by the social change they have achieved. A doctor might set as a criterion how many patients he helped and how much. An artisan might judge his life by the good work he produced. But we like the quote of a famous medieval Spanish writer best, who put it as follows. En el atardecer de la vida seremos juzgados en el amor. In English, in the evening of life, we will be judged on love alone. In other words, the ultimate measure of our lives' fruitfulness is whether we have loved other people. Allow us to end with a few questions for further reflection. Do we feel like our own lives are fruitful? And how do we ascertain whether that is the case? What are the values we pursue? Are they shallow, such as becoming rich or famous, or profound? Do we feel like we are making a difference? Would our friends say of us that we are people who love sincerely? And what about others we know who might be struggling with the same question? People whose lives have been disrupted or, because of poverty or old age, seem to lack meaning. Can we reach out to them and affirm them? Can we help them see that their lives make sense and bear fruit, and encourage them to become people who love deeply? 
No one needs to be there, but sometimes they need others to help them see that. This was Words That Change You with me, Martin Steinbreitner. It was produced by Fritz Lowy, Pirushka Kacha, Harry Kalef, and Jacob Dubibair. If you like this episode, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts from. Also feel free to leave us feedback or questions on Facebook under Einstein Podcasts. Until next time.